no matter what time you hear this, whether you hear it live or whether you hear it in replay, you're in a moment right now where you can look, what can I do to optimize what I'm doing so that I can accelerate the outcomes that I hope to be getting? Welcome to 7 to 8, our special series on 7 and 8 figure speakers. In this interview series, some of the hottest speakers in the industry who've made over 7 figures in a year or less will uncover their twists and turns in their adventures, helping you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to Center Stage, our next guest speaker. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Stacey Wallace. Stacey, thank you so much for your time to be here today. I am so excited. We've already had a few giggles before we got started here, so it's going to be a good, good time together for sure. I love it. So give everybody kind of the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you do in business. Oh my goodness. Well, in business, that's a good distinction. Uh, <laughs> in life, I'm a wife of 25 years, now getting ready to have my 26th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, two young, amazing entrepreneurs, 21 and 23, Peyton and Alexia, who are crushing it in business. They've been owning their own businesses since about five years old. Uh, so everything that we do in our companies, we've learned how to do it with legacy so that we're not only building a life and business that we love, but one that our children actually want to duplicate or emulate. Uh, we are, Now we run, I'm the CEO of Fuel by Fire. It's one of our companies. Fuel by Fire, we help CEOs, thought leaders, scale six, seven, eight figure business, even nine figure businesses. We've been blessed uh, to scale multiple uh, multi-million dollar companies, companies, seven figures, eight figures, nine figures. We've been doing this for about 35 years. So uh, being able to do that now in this season of our lives through Fuel by Fire by helping other CEOs who might've hit some level of success, but maybe they've hit a roadblock of how do I get to that next income bracket or that next level of what we call PMA, profit-making activities. And uh, it's really a joy uh, to know when we launched this company, we wanted to come out of doing it for corporate America, which we've done over and over again. Uh, but we wanted to do it for individual solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, small business owners. We worked with 250,000 small business owners now. And so being able to do that and help them hit scale, it's really a great joy because those are the influencers of the future. I, I think that's the best way to flip the narrative of negativity is do a transference of wealth to some small business owners who have the heartbeat of America or of we're actually global. So whatever country they happen to be in so that they can step into their community and make life better for many. Nice. I love it. I love how prolific you are in it. And I love your dedication to them. 250,000. That's incredible. That's awesome. It's crazy. It depends the type of businesses that we work with. We work with all kinds of businesses and some, we used to do one-on-one -on -one coaching and we realized that one-on-one -on -one coaching, although it gives us an incredible opportunity to help people hit scale really fast. We do that very selectively now through something we call platinum programs. And that's where we really work and hone in at a high level with companies and we come on their board and you know, we're usually equity owners and that. But what we found was as great as that is, that's still a lot like what we did with corporate America and helping scale big companies. We wanna help many people hit scale. So that's where we established Fuel by Fire, which is our one-to-many programs where we can help a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners step into what is the best and highest use of their sweet spot, uh, which is something we help them identify so that they can hit scale or even go to sale. Nice, I love it. And we're gonna talk a ton about that, but I wanna back up the bus just a little bit. 
about when you first hit your first million. Yeah. It might've been eight, but you know, <laughs> let's go back to that one. No, I wasn't. One. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time coming. I remember my brother. So we had multiple successes and, and one of the companies that my husband and my brother started in the game room of their house, it ended up making it big on NASDAQ, went to a $1.2 billion market cap. I remember before that my brother would say, and, and he's had multiple successes and, and incredible exits um, in, in companies. He just had another very big exit uh, in, in one of his companies. But I remember I had never hit a million dollars. I was like, I remember actually my husband and I, we had this talk uh, just a, probably a couple of weeks ago. And I, re, we drove through a community where we used to live. And I said, do you remember when we lived in that house, we were dreaming of someday we want to make a six figure income. And he was working as a sales guy in a, in a technology company. And I remember it seemed so far off to hit six figures. And I mean, we, we were struggling. We were young. We were just married. And we were thinking that is the big time, like $100,000 in one year. What would we do with that money and how we dreamed at that level? And I remember my brother said something to me. He said, sis, the first million you make will be the hardest million you make. Because not only are you fighting the trajectory of scale, of operations, of infrastructure, but more importantly, you're, you're fighting against the biggest trap of sabotage, which is your own personal emotions. You're the, this is the biggest real estate your mind is the biggest real estate you'll ever invest in. And so it, it was really true. The first million will be the hardest because there's so many things you're fighting. Once you've hit a million, you realize it's really not that much money. Now, if you're still in the hunt, I remember if somebody would have said that to me when I was thinking about a hundred thousand, I'd be like, right. oh, you're so egotistical. <laughs> well, really good, good for you. Yeah, good, it's nice for you. Isn't that special? <laughs> but once you do understand there are some very specific habits you have to have in place to operate at a seven figure level, those habits are entirely different when you want to operate at eight figures. So we've got a company right now that is part of our platinum program and they are 21 and 23 years old. Um, they came into our program and they were thinking that they were gonna have to claim bankruptcy of a, of a great business that they had, tiny home business that they had started. At 21 and 23, you don't know what you don't know. You hit it good. They hit it to $6.9 million. And then they were like, we don't know what to do now. So they thought they were gonna close the company down when we connected. They joined our program and we, in a matter of eight months, were able to help them scale into eight figures. What they got, what they used, and this is the statement I said to them, what got you here, meaning 6.9 million and thinking you're going bankrupt, what got you here will not get you there to eight figures and nine figures and beyond. So we had to go in and even though it, they had hit seven figures, sustaining seven figures or scaling to eight figures requires an entire different level of infrastructure. Now they're going eight figures and they're looking, how do we get to nine figures? They have to change their team. They have to change their strategies. They have to bring on uh, additional finance in their finance team. There's so much scale that has to take place internally in your infrastructure. So when I go back and I remember hitting the first million, um, I, I even want to go back to hitting the first hundred thousand. It required, number one, our mind to shift. That's the biggest area of sabotage for most businesses because you hit, you hit a roadblock and you want to stop or you hit a roadblock and you think this, is, this isn't good enough. I, I've done it again. I've launched into something. It's a, versus realizing when you get to a million dollars and beyond, it's constant optimization. 
failure is not an option. Shutting the doors is not an option. It's if somebody else has done it before me, that proves that it's possible. I just need to optimize until I get it done. Well, and I think that brings up a good point. And a lot of us were talking on the weekend about how when somebody's starting off and they haven't made that first milestone for them. So sometimes their first milestone is the 100,000. And even then, they're still looking for external circumstances going or reinforcement going, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Whereas once people have hit those lines, they're no longer asking, well, and it's, am I doing it right? It's that, is the concept right? I guess is the question first. Is, is, do I, is this the right concept? Whereas after that, they're taking the concept and they're just tweaking the concept to make it better and better. So the danger I see with a lot of people is at that initial stage, it's not, do I have the right concept is, am I good enough to do this? Am, and they, they so internalize bad. it. Like they bring it so close. It's, it's like, it's not an idea anymore. It's an essence of who they are. And I think maybe that's why it's so difficult to overcome that first hurdle. But Michelle, that is a big statement. You're such a smart person. <laughs> um, here's the thing is, if you are, if you emotionalize every decision that you make in business, you are ultimately going to be caught in the trap of what I call the approval addiction. The, the, the bigger you grow a company, the more you have to compartmentalize your emotions because a lot of the, you have to do tough things when you're the CEO of a big corporation or even of a small, you have to make tough decisions. Like right now I'm taking most of our um, clients through quarterly reviews and helping them walk through quarterly reviews with their team, with their staff. If they're a solopreneur, then they've got to do it on themselves. But operating through those quarterly reviews, what that does is allows you to get non-emotional. And it's the difference between approval versus feedback. So early on in your business development, you're always looking for approval. You're looking for people to affirm what you're doing. The more you grow, the more you realize, I don't need their approval, but I do need their feedback. So feedback is just like if, if anybody's involved in technology or, or development, Scrum. You know, you want to have solid feedback loops at every juncture or milestone so that, not that if they disagree with you that you go, oh, I'm, I'm emotional about it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I need your feedback because I've got to constantly optimize in order to get to the next level. So the more you build business, the more you go from five figures to six figures, you realize, wait a minute. I needed that feedback. I needed those failures. I needed that setback because it staged me for a comeback. But then you go into the seven figures and now you realize I need feedback loops in every area of my company, in sales, in finance, in marketing, in client success. If I don't get the feedback loop, even though it might not be good, it will not help me be better if I don't assimilate it and then begin to disseminate it to our team so that we can get better. Nice. Love that. And talk to me too about the doing of things, because I think in speaking to a lot of, especially eight figure business owners, it's just a matter of doing, it's doing, 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 and is it done yet? Whereas the entrepreneurs that are starting and still owning their business is like, well, we're thinking about this. We're planning on doing that. And we're hoping that this gets into the right place for it. And it's super conceptual and not a whole lot of action going on. You know, I think at, a, at some point in your business acceleration, that's a big word for us. We use the word accelerate a lot. Um, as long as you don't go reverse, the only time to ever go reverse is because you've got to go regain knowledge 
from something you did in history. So a lot of people, unfortunately, live in reverse. They constantly, like you said, emotionalize or they even trivialize what happened in their history. They don't understand the, the value of what happened back then is all about acceleration. So as we look at moving forward as business owners and moving into a new season, no matter what time you hear this, whether you hear it live or whether you hear it in replay, you're in a moment right now where you can look, what can I do to optimize what I'm doing so that I can accelerate the outcomes that I hope to be getting for my clients? And when we do that, that really allows us, that's the only way to hit that next level of critical mass is you've constantly got to be looking at what you're doing and how can you do it better. Well put. And I wrote down the value of failure because I think as a commodity in a business, you have to understand that value because there's a tremendous amount of value in there. I mean, people look at it and they go, well, I bought this asset, therefore I have this value. They don't look at it as I have this failure, therefore I have this <laughs> asset. And you really do. One that, you know, if you've uh, put enough effort into something, can go back to it and say, oh yeah, it wasn't just that main learning point from it. There was a lot of nuances in there that I think can help people to fast forward their, their growth curve uh, yeah. financially when they recognize that as a value to optimize and then accelerate, which is fantastic. So we've talked about the money or the mindset and the link, amount of time it takes, but you were saying being able to go into your platinum pro mm -hmm. program accelerates that growth, how fast have you seen some people go from kind of where they're at to where they want to be? I would say that would be a pretty quick one, especially when they're 21 and 23 years old. So those are two high school dropouts yeah. that uh, they just, they were chasing money. Like a lot of, you know, 17 year olds, 16 oh, year olds, 50 just, year olds do. <laughs> yeah. They were just looking for a way to make buck. Right. And they were tired of, they were working cattle for their dad and they were just tired of the dung. And so, and that, that could probably be a really prolific statement there. I'm just tired exactly. of the dung. But at some point, what happened was one of the guys, they went and they got the equipment needed to build a, sh a little shed. They went up to Home Depot, bought the tools, built the shed, and the shed sold before they had it made. And they were like, whoa, wait a minute. That's a good idea. So a pain point created potential for a power play. Let me say that again. Pain point, an area of, I got to have more money. I got I to gotta make something happen, created a, a an ability, a potential for a power play. Well, the power play was, I can make something with my hands and I can sell it. What they didn't realize that that was right before 2020, that people were going to be downscaling. And people are going to be trying to get out of big homes. So what if I took a shed and made it a tiny home? So they started moving into a tiny home production facility. Right. And the next thing you know, boom, they hit this hockey stick growth curve. Just because they hit sales didn't mean they knew how to build a business or run a business. <laughs> Fair enough. They, they could have been running at, at a negative <laughs> profit margin. But what congratulations still. Yeah, right. Awesome. Hurrah for them. Right. What was brilliant, though, that they did was the 21-year-old who was the CEO, the 21-year-old connected with me because I was searching for tiny homes for a nonprofit organization. We rescue and restore the lives of women and girls that have gone through trafficking and abuse and molestation and that. We have a 90-day, uh, what we call a relaunch program where we help them get their life back together and relaunch back into society. I was looking for tiny homes. I happened to be uh, an elite coach that helps people scale massive businesses. So I'm looking for a tiny home. I contact them 
the CEO calls me back on a sales call and he says, uh, you know, I, I, I've got your lead. Just want to know how can I serve you? Well, as we started talking and I told him what it was for, he goes, oh my goodness, I love Zig Ziglar. I told him I had been traveling with Zig Ziglar for 12 years. We started making this connection. He was incredibly good at connecting. Good down home Southern boy. He says, I would love to come visit you. Can I come to your property and come visit you? We live in East Texas. We have 62 acres. So I said, absolutely. He drives two hours and 45 minutes. Now this is where he's smart kid, smart kid. I'm going to go the extra mile, not because I want to make the sell, but because I want to connect with this person. He comes and we sit for about two hours. And in that process, I realize not only does he have the tiny homes that could really help our nonprofit, but I have something I can help these guys scale their company where they don't know where to go. It was like, had he not have been generous with his time to come out and want to see how he could serve our nonprofit, I wouldn't have been able to see that this could be a fit for a bigger relationship in the future. Six months later, they join our platinum program. And in the course of really six to nine months, they're able to go from, I think we're going to have to cut, shut the company down to scaling over eight figures and beyond. That goes back to a decision that CEO made to be humble, to be authentic with himself and say, I don't have all the answers and find the scaffolding that could help him go to the next level. That, Michelle, is where most people miss it. Number one, the ego gets in the way. I'm just going to keep trying to do it. They go to every free launch they can possibly go to. I can figure it out. I can figure it out. I can do it on my own. And they never understand the value of investing in scaffolding. So scaffolding is what don't you know and what do you need to outsource? I call it time expansion, collaboration. If you only have 24 and in your 24, you only have your personal intellect to work with. I didn't go to college. I don't have a fancy pedigree. My parents weren't wealthy. So I'm not that person that says I, I've done everything I've done because I learned how to do it. I did it through hard knocks and failing forward over and over and over again. So I knew I'm not the smartest whip in the room. I have to surround myself by people or books or learning education that's smarter than me. That's what this kid did is he said, I need scaffolding. I need somebody. And we just happened to have 35 years of business development that we could help him with. I need somebody to come alongside me and help me get where I haven't been able to get myself. And because he was willing to invest in himself, and that's a pretty high ticket uh, part of our programs is platinum is the highest thing we offer, but be offering it on that level. He has a hundred X what he's been able to, well, maybe not hundred X, but he's, he's 10 X what he was able to invest in, in his company because of that one investment. So I would say, as we grow, it's not, what don't you know? It's what are you willing to invest in that will get you what you know, so that you can get to where you know you're destined to be. Nice. Well, and I, I find that there's really, <laughs> there's really a few essential elements to business that one is the accounting aspect of it, the bookkeeping, the taxes. Mm -hmm. Another one today is the tech side of things and mm -hmm. understanding how you can get the tech side. Another one is the administrative stuff. And the fourth one is your mindset. And mm -hmm. really, you don't have the, you know, if, unless you're in tax accounting, you should not be doing your own tax accounting. And there's no way in hell you should be reading a book about tax accounting. You should go, here's my situation. This is what I want to create. How do I do that fastest? And you get a three second answer that allows you to project your business in a different direction. I mean, it just doesn't make sense not to get that kind of, nobody should be reading the tax reports except for we tax. We spent so much time trying to do everything. It's a control issue. It's an ego issue and it's being cheap. 
when we are cheap and we think, oh, I'll just, I'll figure that out myself instead of hiring a professional. We, we, we take in scripture. So I'm a woman of faith. Most people that know me know that in scripture, there was this guy named Moses and he spent with these Israelites. This is the tribe he was leading a company. He was leading 40 years going around the same mountain to do what was an 11 day trip. So when he finally got over the ego, the murmuring, the complaining, all the internal issues of emotional management and said, you know what? And this is the beautiful part is that you're doing good, but you need to learn to delegate, get over the murmuring, delegate. In other words, build scaffolding that will get you moving forward. When that took place, what was 40 years in the making, he did in 11 days. And so how do you accelerate your growth? If you've been doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results, that's insanity. What can you invest in? So for taxes, for example, anybody that knows me, I'm very wide open. I have an incredible tax strategist. I think the best in the world, but I honestly fall asleep when he starts talking to me about a thousand and one ways that you can, you know, save on your taxes. The same is with other areas of business that if you're not like Facebook ads, People want to know, Stacey, what should I do with this face? How should I do this with, I don't do my Facebook ads. I outsource that because there are people that are really, really good. It was the number one best financial progress decision we made when we stopped trying to do Facebook ads ourselves. when we hired a professional. Those Facebook ads in one month increased our profits by $100,000. Nice. Over the now, that was the first month of launching a new business. That those Facebook ads, ninety-five percent of our clientele inside of Fuel by Fire comes from Facebook ads. Do I think that that's worth it? Was that a was that a decision that's worth it? A multi-million-dollar come? You better believe it. So a lot of times we try, and for probably ten years, my husband and I tried to figure out Facebook ads. We went to every summit, every Facebook ad. We went to all the online. We do this and you'll get the, and we didn't figure it out. And we were so frustrated. And when we did one little micro move, hire somebody that's good at that, changed everything. I love that. I love it. And I, it, it just expounds to, and had I learned it faster earlier, <laughs> whatever you want to put it. It, it's taking somebody else's 40 years of knowledge and putting it into one hour. And there's nothing that a in, single individual can come close to replicating that on. So I, I'm hoping that we've hammered that point because I think it's so important that people get with somebody like you, done and been there, bought the t-shirt, regardless of what the business is, to be able to look at it and just bring in your years of experience to go, you know, tweak this, tweak that, but rock and roll, let's go. I, and I, and I think it's stuff. your confidence and your know-how that allows somebody that doesn't, that's not there to feel confident because it's kind of like they're borrowing yours. It's like, well, you know what you're doing. So, okay. And, and I would bore the confidence, bore the knowledge, and then, you know, don't go blindly in it and abdicate to you, but to, <laughs> but to at, get the momentum going because of that. You know, first off, you inspire me. I just wrote something down here while you're talking that I'm going to apply. So we're, we're right now optimizing all of our programs because when we go through every year, we do quarterly reviews, obviously with not only with our staff, but internally. And then I, as a leader, as a CEO of this movement, I always look every quarter and I say, what can we do to 
expand upon what we've been doing and be more effective at doing it. Um, and, and right now I'm writing curriculum for an entirely new program. And it all is about the way the brain works. I'm a very big study of neuroplasticity and, and brain share and anything that deals with cognitive resonance, cognitive development. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about, and I wrote this down and I never thought of it till you said it. So you might want to take credit for this. So my husband and I, we are invested in timeshares. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so timeshares are basically where you buy into, and we've got like a timeshare, really, really nice one in uh, Puerto Vallarta. I don't have to own the timeshare in order to be able to have six weeks out of the year and experience the beauty of what's normally $14,000 a night. All I have to do is partner with the timeshare and I get access. I get to enjoy it as if it's my own, but I get access. That's what brain share is. Brain share is I identify somebody who has the knowledge. I don't have to go through the 35 years of business development to get the knowledge. Maybe I buy into it. Maybe I buy into a coaching program, or maybe I buy into some type of evergreen system or whatever it happens to be that somebody's running. But what I want to do is go in and I want to fully digest. I want to fully enjoy my week in Puerto Vallarta. I want to make sure I know how to get on the golf courses, how I get to get on the gondolas, how I get to be on the beach. So I'm going to have to do some research so I get the most out of that week. The same as when you collaborate or you go into any type of scaffolding or brain share, it's what it is when you read a book. You're doing a brain share. You're taking someone else's knowledge and you're taking it in as your own. So I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a method about timeshare brain share. Well, and, and I will give you a, a perfect example of this. So we were down in Cabo a couple of weeks ago and um, we were, it was a, I don't know what you would call it. It was kind of like a sectioned off timeshare. So if you paid a certain amount, you got to stay here. If you paid a certain amount, you got to stay there. If you paid a certain amount, you got to stay there. And certain things were included depending on where your stay was. And it was, <laughs> the majority of people went to this one and they just went, oh, this is our little arena and this is where we go. But then we talked to other people that had been there before and they're like, okay, you have to check out the restaurant on the hill because they have the best restaurant up there and you got to do this and you got the thing in town. And we're like, what are you talking about? And before we know it, there's like eight people around us in on this conversation going, what did we buy? What do we have access to? Like, <laughs> right. Like, right. Like we just go in assuming that we know because we know a little bit. It's going into a course. We assume we know a little bit and people don't go up to the instructor and go, hey, here's my situation. Right. What's the best way for me to deal with that? And in that five seconds, sometimes somebody can go, oh, this program would be perfect for you because it'll, and yeah, it's a program, but it's the right program. As mm -hmm. opposed to, oh, okay, I'll finish this one and then I'll go do another one and then I'll go do another one. It's it's a be ability to know and to pinpoint what your best course of action is in the limited amount of time that you have. So good. Yeah, none of us know really what our iPhones could do, <laughs> right. but somebody does. And somebody somebody's probably, somewhere. and my brother, my husband uses Evernote <clears throat> for everything. Like it is his brain. It's, it's how he operates it, how he thinks it's out. And so I said to him this morning, uh, because part of, again, part of what we do is not only identify what people should do, but what are the tools, the automations, the technologies that can help them do it and do it faster than if they did it themselves. And so I said to him, I, I've been using notes for the longest time, uh, my Apple notes. And, and I, I would quantify that as kind of like a, a high school program. 
right? It's good. Everybody can use it. But if I want to graduate and get more effective at putting my thoughts and my, my consciousness into a tool system or into a note system, I need to up level and I need to go through an ascension model, which is what you're talking about. I need to go to the next level. Evernote would probably be the next level for me so that I can now teach other people how to share the knowledge that I'm taking notes on every single day. There's always a way to optimize what your brain can effectively handle. Most mm -hmm. people use that word overwhelmed. I just feel so overwhelmed. Well, you're not really overwhelmed because there's other people that are running bigger businesses, probably have a bigger schedule, but you feel I can't handle anymore because you've hit capacity. Yeah. So the question is, how do I increase capacity? Well, today, what's beautiful is number one, align with people that know more than you so they can help you get to where you need to go faster. Number two, align with automations that can shortcut the things that technology can do so that you can do the things that only you can do. And then duplicate and delegate. We, we have a model called MADE, monetize, automate, duplicate, and then whatever you can put on Evergreen, put it on Evergreen. That means that it does its residual. It just does it over and over and over again. So those are things that, and, and, and Evergreen and automation are two very distinctly different, but they, they do have similarities. When, when you get to, and you ask the question about seven figures, when you get to a million dollars and above, you have to have a business that is M-A-D-E, that's made for profits, that it's monetizable, that it has really good um, automations that you've set up, that you've delegated layers of leadership. Because a lot of times when you hit a million, you're still the solopreneur, but you haven't learned how to duplicate yourself or duplicate the various areas of infrastructure. And then of course, very important, evergreen. What are the systems that need to be running and operating internally that create residual income over and over and over again? Love that. That is awesome. So I, there's two things. One is, um, I know our audience is going to want more from you and we'll get into that in one second. Who would you say is the ideal client for you? If somebody is in this position, they are primed and ready to uh, come and take advantage of this. Our clientele is very distinct and somebody called it our purple cow is we are highly focused on helping CEOs, thought leaders, entrepreneurs build purpose. We are big on core values. We are really big on what matters most. Uh, we have a lot of people that make millions of dollars, but they didn't know how to build a family. They didn't know how to do marriage. So we hit seven F words, faith, family, finance, fitness, focus, freedom, and fun. So we help people build a purpose-driven highly profitable life and business that they love. I would like to tell you our ideal demographic is 45 to 65 because we do deal with a lot of people that are looking for the exit strategy. But in 2022, God flipped that upside down when he brought us this incredible tribe of young people that are in their 20s. We call them Gen Zs. And they are uh, they have a movement called the Yes Movement, Young Entrepreneur Success Network. They're building, my son's a part of it. My daughter's part of it. We've got these young people. So I really want to say that I thought we were highly focused on that 45 to 65 seasoned leaders that are looking to scale to the next level or looking to exit. But that got totally changed in 2022 because now we are helping people at every level. We have 18 year olds that are launching their businesses, but they don't want to go to university to learn how to do this. They would rather partner with a veteran and say, can you shortcut all those years of education for me and help me launch scale and sale at some point? So many of these are looking to not only scale their business, but also to sell their business. So 
Um, it's a it's an interesting question because our, our our normal demographic would have been 45 to 65 looking to scale uh, seven and eight figure businesses, but that got flipped upside down. So I would say well, that uh, hey. Who you know, somebody's got to help all of these people that are looking to get into the entrepreneurial world. And well, what they better call way me to G do mama, it? Right. So my, my, my 45 and up, they don't call me G mama, but really the 35 and unders, <laughs> they call me G mama. So I'm okay with that. You call me G mama, just call me and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll make things happen for sure. I love it. So like I said, I know they're going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? First thing I would go is to fbfchallenge.com and get registered for our next free launch, right? Get in there and find out what we do and how we do it. Of course, that is a, a registration where we go for seven days and we pour out some of our best content, a lot of knowledge of tactical information that you can apply immediately to, to boost your business forward. Um, of course, you can go to stacywallace.com. It's Stacy with an I. And that is like our one-stop shop, kind of our brochure of everything that we do, including our nonprofit organization. You can find information about that as well at stacywallace.com. Nice. I love it. So uh, you have been absolutely fabulous. I think I am going to ask you this. I was deliberating because I know I asked you this before, but I'm going to do it again. At what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> I love that. I think uh, for me, I grew up with a father who was a minister and a businessman. And um, because I grew up in a highly faith-based environment, he taught me that anything is possible. And I was born into a family of potential optim, uh, you know, I, I grew up on Zig Ziglar as a little girl. Uh, so I, I can't say that there was a time in my adult, I would tell you, I went through a lot of failures, divorce, suicidal depression, and all that in my early twenties and had to make a critical decision of what I was going to live for. That was when I made the shift into it, but I was born into potential. I was taught even as a basketball player that I was going to be the first white girl on the Harlem Globetrotters. I was going to be the first <laughs> white girl signed to Motown. Every dream that I had, by the time I was 16, I was traveling with a 21-piece orchestra, had signed up, I mean, had been signed for the Olympics to sing the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics. I was on the pick for the junior Olympic basketball team. All of those successes and the five U.S. presidents that I ended up being on stage with, all of that came because I had a mom and dad that chose to be my scaffolding. They were my platinum program. And they said, Stacy, anything is impossible. Anything is possible, but you're just going to have to pay the price because not everything is going to be probable. You're going to have to do the hard work and you're going to have to do it consistently. When my father passed away, I can tell you, I didn't miss a beat. I don't, I don't miss, I miss his presence, but I don't feel in mourning over he's not here. I feel like he left so much in 63 years into my life. I feel like he left so much. I am going to spend the rest of my life trying to keep up with all the things he believed I could do. Nice. I love that. That is beautiful. Thank you. Awesome. So you have been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much. Any last words for our peeps? I just encourage whatever your plan is, whatever your scale process is, whether you're scaling to 100,000, whether you're scaling to a, a seven figures, eight figures or beyond, make matter most to you what matters most to God. And I can tell you this, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, your business, no matter what your business is, no matter what your background, what, even if you don't believe in God, he believes in you, that there is something that you can do on this planet, something that you were born to do, that's going to make life better for many. Don't give up. All of your dreams won't come true, 
but the God dreams always do. I love it. Awesome. Thank you again for your time. You've been amazing. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Watch all the continuing episodes because we love helping you grow your business. Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.